0: Hello, hello! Welcome to this episode of the iHack podcast. How are you today, Tanoy Ten.
1: I'm fine, thanks, DevOps Dan. Good, yeah. And What about today's episode? Are, uh, are you looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's with a good friend and colleague of mine, Roy. Uh, he's a UX/UI designer, and uh, he kind of walks us through his journey from. Um, small beginnings to mm. the mighty oak tree that he has now formed at Amway, the company we both work for. If, what? The mighty oak tree, you know, small S- acorn mighty oak tree. Yeah, I understand the reference. I just I've just described the man as a mighty oak tree. Oh, yes, it's it's good. I think I would want to be described as a mighty oak. It's not offensive, it's just weird. Well, I think that's the whole vibe of the podcast. Maybe that's the tagline. If you are
0: one of the UX UI design... Oh, what trees seeds out there i want to call them yeah. <laughs> saplings saplings yeah on your way you know you want to get into uxy then um roy's story is uh filled with with pieces of information to help you on the journey he had a very cool career um journey himself he was an aspiring astronaut once, now works in UX UI design, product design specifically. So, yeah, dive in, get some cool information, make some notes, and then, you know, make it happen for yourself.
1: Enjoy the app. See you on the other side.
2: My name is Roy. I am a Nicaraguan. moved to Berlin about eight years ago and have been working here ever since. I was originally gonna stay here only for a few years just to finish up my studies, but then I got caught up in work and then another job and another job. And here I am,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, enjoying it though, still enjoying Same it. Same old story of the trap of the city. <laughs> it is,
2: it is, it like, like locks you down and hardly makes it, uh, you hardly make it out afterwards. Um, but yeah, I now work as a senior product designer at NY, a digital and technology studio. With uh, headquarters in Munich and, and Berlin.
0: Cool. So let's step back a little bit then and um, talk about how you first got into UX. What was your your path in? Mm-hmm. So the journey goes uh, way back. I initially wanted to to be a photographer.
2: Before that, uh, an astronaut, and before that, a soccer player. But you know, you start
0: <laughs> growing, <laughs> you start gro- <laughs> you start growing up and. <laughs> Very, e- I can easy to see the link there.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, and then at some point, reality kicks in, and you go like, okay, this is not gonna work. Um, no, but I was passionate, very passionate about like um, mechatronics at some point of my life, and and then um, and somehow that led to, to photography, and and photography as a hobby turned out into my opening into the into the design world. So I started visual communication. And when I finished my studies, I, I, you know, entered the market and I quickly noticed that it was quite a tricky one, especially for a, for a visual slash graphic designer, brand designer, um, not to disencourage anyone out there, um, but f- a few years back, that was really already, you could see a trend. And, yeah. and so I, I was also a bit intimidated by the whole like, digital world and, and you know, ux and and all that was already was already a thing back then but i always like handled it with with a lot of respect until at some point i said all right i just gotta give this a shot and, and see what happens so i just started working on some projects on the site uh some of them like self initiated some of them like freelance gigs with with small um small websites etc and and that thing one thing linked to another then i landed a job at uh at a cryptocurrency studio, a blockchain studio, and then so that was the, the first real um, experience that I had working as a as a UX designer. Although I wasn't hired to to do UX per se, I like sneaked myself into the into the into the product team of the company and, and ended up working closely with them.
0: Tell us tell us about that crypto um, a crypto studio. Did you say what, what does that yeah. entail?
2: Yeah, they they developed, they developed technologies on um, on Ethereum. So for me, I, I was, you know, when I started working out there, it, it was a mixture of not knowing the field, because the whole like blockchain Ethereum was completely completely new to me, and, and digital design. So you were combining basically trying to get into the field in a completely quite quite a complex industry. Um, but when I look in retrospective now, it it was I, I see it as as some sort of privilege because I got to work with some very very good uh, product managers and, and developers, um, and I got to learn a lot from them on my very first um, professional experience at a as a, a full time hire.
1: And how was that like being thrown at the deep end like that? Because I think that would probably be the story of a lot of graduates who maybe they've just picked up their skills and they're being thrown into an industry that they don't know very well. Was it was the learning curve like too sharp or was it very fun? Or how how did you find that?
2: I, I think it was quite balanced because where I there were tasks during the job that I was not necessarily enjoying a lot, like creating graphic material, um, I was using the, the spare time to just... Educate myself, watch tutorials, read articles, and put put, put all the stuff into practice. Right, so I remember putting up my first, uh, the basis of, of, of my very first like design system, even though I had no clue what a design system was. Like I don't think there was a much uh, <laughs> much ma- ma- much material on the web uh, back then, but I just started using the, the spare time to 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 practice to learn and and together with uh, I think it, like the the biggest of the luck of what that I had was that the, the, the developers that I was working with were also very experienced and very patient, so they, they were definitely of, of great support. So shout out to them, for sure.
1: Shout out to all the web developers of the world. Real, real <laughs> heroes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. I think anyone actually new into tech who has a senior team above them in any discipline, it's, it's absolutely gold, people who work on their own. Um, just seem to, to struggle so much more having someone you can watch how they think is the key
2: you know working with, with product managers is always like uh, a big challenge and as a very junior Roy um, wanting to get things done and wanting to have everything implemented the way uh, the way I envisioned it and the moment that I um, that I had uh, designed it um, I think one of the biggest learnings by now is that <laughs> it just really doesn't doesn't work the way the way you think, and that you just have to be be comfortable with with throwing out ideas and and visualizing designs and and building up flows that might not be implemented ever, that might be implemented partially, or that might be implemented in a very very different way. Um, and that that's the PM that I had at the moment had worked at the Deutsche Bank. And he had, um, for our English uh, listeners out there, that's the German uh, railway service, I guess. And, and they, um, and so he, he had a lot of experience and was always pushing to, you know, step by step, sprints, uh, the backlog, taking care of all those topics that now seem like very basics, but at the beginning were like, why are you delaying everything? Why can't we just, just get it done?
1: ASAP, right? Going going back to that point of uh, mentoring and how important a senior uh, uh, members of the team are, um, you yourself are self-taught, is that right? You're a self-taught UX UI uh, person.
2: Yes and no. I mean, I do come from a, from a design background, right? So you cannot disregard the fact that I have a, a design education. Um, mm-hmm. So when it comes to, to, to the UI part of things, um, I have an uh, understanding of of hierarchy of colors or of typography of um, all those foundations that, that make you a a good designer. Mm -hmm. But there is definitely a, a transition that you, that you have to go through when you're working on, in my case, I was doing a lot of print media at the beginning. And then when you're going like into the digital world um, and for me, one of the biggest ones was just understanding like that a screen um, or any other digital um device does not work like paper so you don't you're not limited to to a to a sheet of paper where you can design but rather you have a lot of like more of interactive areas that, that you can explore on so that was definitely one of the things that was more exciting but also like mm-hmm. uh, challenging at some point uh, in a, in in some way um and yeah the uh, having that i guess um Learning learning UX was again just doing a lot of a lot of research, a lot of reading, uh, listening to podcasts, and yeah. talking to people that were interested as well. And as I was telling you guys before, at some point I even. I was looking out for for some boot camp, and I considered the idea of enrolling at um, at Ironhack. I actually mm-hmm. went through the through the admission process. This was a few years back, so I don't I don't know exactly if it's if it's similar nowadays. But there was like an assignment, and I went through it, discussed it, and, um, and yeah, I was offered a place at, at uh, one of the boot camps. But some some somehow it just for me for the way that I learned and the way that I um, that I have grown over the last years that it just didn't
0: seem like a like the perfect match for me um how many years had you been learning at that point or how many years were you before you from starting to learn before you got your first job do you think it was
2: from starting mm, i think it's quite a blurry line and also not linear because when i was in university in nicaragua i was doing some uh, freelancing on the site with a very good friend of mine and then and then here as well and i would say that doing like having little side hustles when you're a student is also a great yeah. way of, of of starting to you know gain experience and and um, making connections yeah so and i would argue that's quite I, a
0: good probably quite a good uh, reason why you didn't decide a boot camp was a good idea because if you know if you're coming from zero to you know to try and get into tech then a boot camp is a great way to kick off or if you just want to maybe um do like this career booster step it's another good idea but i think if you're already down that path it's not necessarily the best use of 12 weeks you know to so especially because they teach you everything from as if you were ground zero anyway so a lot of that time you'll be spent learning you know what is you exactly yeah i
2: mean there's a there's a <laughs> big benefit i would say um which is the the fact that having and that's what made me double at some point um, which is having a having a structured um, program that forces you to show up every day, um, having classmates and and someone that like a direct mentor in this case, like the, the bootcamp instructor, like that you're you're hardly gonna get that on the on the internet uh, by yourself. Like it, there, there wasn't the amount of of of, uh, of online bootcamps that that are now available, um, but YouTube. Fails at delivering that material in such a compiled structure way, right? So at some point you find yourself a bit lost and just going through through a bunch of resources, and someone says one thing, and so and someone else sells another approach. So you're just there in the middle, not having experience and wondering. Which one? Should, who should I be listening to? Right. So that's also. It takes a lot of. I believe. First of all, like practice and being and having your own diet and knowing what to consume and what not to consume. And second of all, a lot of like just gut feeling. Right. At some point, you just have to st- stop, stop reading and stop feeding yourself up and just get going and 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 get stuff done.
0: Yep. Yeah. For sure. And that can be the hardest thing. You know, a lot of people take the boot camp just because of the structure, and um, because that kind of
1: ocean of what to learn can be so intimidating. So. That's definitely, definitely um, that's definitely why yeah, I did it. I think it was the I think that structured learning is so valuable when you when you're starting at nothing. Because I mean, obviously, I was working adj- adjacently to web development, and you kind of I think that's even more intimidating when you're kind of slightly in the industry and you see like developers or designers working at like full tilt, and then mm. you're like, how did they do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I think being, it's it's cool to be able to do that.
0: It all seems quite alien from the outside, which is a yet another good segue to the question I was going to ask which was, for those who don't know, can you explain what UX is and why it's um, why it's so important, how it kind of differs from just, you know, design work in general?
2: That's a tricky one. I'm going to pull out my Wikipedia out here. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's always, <laughs> I think there's always um, like a lot of, a lot of definitions. Um, but if I try to explain it to my parents, to my grandma, um, that's mm. the easiest way I, that's the, like, that's the way I go to, um, speaking in a digital context for me, um, UX design is about humanizing technology and helping people find their way around it. Um, and of course we can, we can build on that, but that's the, that's the principles of it. And I know it's very abstract, but that's how I start when I try to break it down to my family in this case, right? That's the, the, the first entry point. Yeah. Let's see if we can take that as a
0: starting point yeah. now. Yeah. Tim Tim always cheats with that because his grandma's a senior technician, so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's good friends with Johnny Ives, so she knows what she's doing, <laughs> yeah. hanging out with him. The design world is so, like, um, it's such a deep world, and, you know, you are talking about photography earlier. I think there's just so many entry points and, like, ways that you can find a niche, um, and I didn't even know anything about, you know, user experience and, and, like, user interviews and all that kind of stuff before we started doing the podcast, so. Yeah, I think it's if for people that maybe uh, are just starting their their kind of journey into deciding what direction they might want to go in tech. It's definitely something to consider because it's kind of a bit hidden behind the you know using Figma and you know all that kind of stuff. It's just there's definitely this human element that lives behind it to how you actually get that information uh, onto the onto the desktop or whatever.
2: Absolutely, and I think that's one of the biggest. Um, challenges that our industry has right now, I believe, we're like obsessed with, with processes and documentation and design systems and tools. And you know, config just went by, and people were super hyped about the new tool, the new tools and features that uh, that it's enabling. And um, I think we have to be very careful with with, with all of those, like the, the industry buzzwords and 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 all that. Because at the end of the day, it really, really, really comes down to being able to empathize with whom you're designing for and being able to deliver a good experience for them, right? So, uh, like, it doesn't matter how much, how many frameworks you have, how many tools you have mastered, etc. If you lack that, like, empathy of just being able to put yourself into other yeah. people's shoes, then it's gonna be a, it's
0: gonna be a tough one. We've had a few um, anthropologists on. Uh, the on the podcast before people who worked in anthropology and then went into UX specifically because this link between understanding human behavior or being able to empathize with the user is so uh, prevalent. So it's interesting you say it like that.
2: Yeah. I also have a friend that is a, is a sociologist, right. And recently he's been asking me about um, UX research in this case. Like he's asking, he's asked me if I, what I think of it and if I would see a, a possible for him because we kn- I know him quite well right so, um, so we have collaborated in the past so he's asked me if he would if I would see it possible for him to to make that switch and I was like absolutely like I think you're one of the most qualified persons that I know because um, you have all, all of that background in you and and you you know how to ask the right questions and and you 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 have a you have an eye for for details right which is very important when you're when you're working in and user experience
0: yeah it's such a broader field than it gets credit for for people from the outside um it, it's very unfortunate terminology we have in tech that this is ux when it, ux is far more it's product discovery it's it's a lot more feedback and and it's in continued improvement throughout the product life cycle so yeah um, okay, let's move on a little bit then about specifically how you've kind of evolved during your time as a, in UX. Um, are you specialised in any area of it now, or are you still just like a you know general UX man? man Gen- about, generalist. Generalist.
1: Yeah, <laughs> man about design.
0: Yeah. Um, so it all
2: started with definitely just trying out a little bit of a little bit of everything, um, doing doing like deep UI work. You know, understanding the the how I said at the beginning how to translate all the all the foundations that I had from my graphic design background into into like digital um, because it's different, right? So like. If if you if you're, if you're like really break it down how to do a good drop shadow what does a good corner radius looks like all those like very UI nerdiness that a lot of designers probably listening out there are like ah oh yeah that's that's right I, I like doing that <laughs> so I, I I will not I will not disregard that ever because um, there's a big part of me that really really enjoys just sitting out uh, sitting up in front of the computer on a, on a new canvas and a, and having to build something from scratch like doing UI is something that I still still enjoy very much but and this is kind of the the reward but also the the sad part of the compromise that i have to make like i have also noticed that over especially over the last f- 2 years my my interests have shifted towards um a lot of c- conceptual work and strategic work so um yes while i still design um i do a lot of a lot of research a lot of concept a, lo- a lot of um flows, uh, mapping, um, but more than that, um, running workshops, um, preparing um, product visions, which include roadmaps, um, et etc. So it's, uh, I, I definitely am more focused on, on strategy right now, and I think that's where I will continue to go in the, in the upcoming years, um,
1: months, who knows, did you know that existed? Did you know that that was like where you wanted to go or like how did you kind of navigate into the into the niche that you are in now? I
2: was using Sketch, mate.
0: Do
1: you think I knew that? <laughs> of course, I didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> for, for
0: those who don't know, Sketch is the predecessor of Figma out there. It's a little bit of tech history for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. Um, I, I I didn't make it to designing on on Photoshop, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, no, but no for for real now, Tim, to to address your question, I think. Um, I think nobody knows, or I, I at least I, I certainly didn't. Yeah, yeah, sure. um, I knew exactly. I wanted to do something in the, in the <laughs> good thing. Um, yeah. I, I, sure, I surely w- knew that I wanted to do something with, with, with digital design, but to say that I knew that I was going to end up more on the, on the business side of design um, would have been an, an overstatement. I, have, I, of course, had, uh, had no clue. Things just evolved by, by trial and error, um, I also have a, a great um, culture at the agency studio where I where I work at, so that makes it um, easier to just try out other things and and to discover my my through niche.
1: And um, if if there's a junior listening now and they're thinking, ah, you know, I didn't even know this existed. This is a great direction to go in. I'd love to try and get more into business strategy and like direction. Is there kind of examples of like hands-on experience that they could get? during their path or how, how you could kind of recommend that they might find their way in this direction, or is it just like a kind of natural, you know, experience at a company kind of thing?
2: I mean, I can only speak for, for my, for my experience. And I think it's important. I should have disclaimed this at the very, very beginning, right? Like 99% of the things saying right now are based on, on like, Myself and my experience on 1% is based on, on data and facts, right? So to everyone listening <laughs> out there,
0: <laughs> fair, yeah. That is. Fair, yeah. um,
2: <laughs> I, I think it just comes naturally. I think, um, but I also do think that when you're starting your career, it probably shouldn't be high up the list um, when you're starting a, um, a journey in, in UX, uh, UI design, because there's so many other uh, basic things to, to get a hold of. But this is just going to come naturally when you gain exposure to, to clients, when you get to, to present your ideas. But that's, that's when you start building up things, right? Like the moment you are in front of a, of a group of people trying to convince them of, of, of a given design that you made or when you're pitching an idea, um, you're already practicing like stakeholder management. And that's, I, get, I believe, the, the first step towards then um, stepping more on the, on the business side of things but I don't, I wouldn't say there's, there's, a, there's a journey, um, like a fixed journey, but there's definitely, um, a lot of it happens naturally on the flight when you're doing, um, UX UI.
1: Nice. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, on the course as well, I think there is a lot of, um, uh, discussion of like stakeholder management and how to speak to partners and that kind of thing. um, so I guess that there's, it's not just kind of focused squarely on, um, on, on designing and, and how that works. So I think, um, you know, on the bootcamp itself, there is, there is definitely a kind of a big section dedicated to this, but you mentioned something to me about, um, business language and, and like, um, and how that's often an overlooked part of, um, you know, especially junior UX UI designers, uh, career. Could you, could you maybe go into a little bit of detail of what, what you mean by business language and, um, how it's important, um, when dealing with stakeholders? Absolutely.
2: I, I think there's a misconception that designers don't need to speak uh, business. And I guess that's what I was um, referring to when we were having the conversation earlier today. The more you can show your clients um, that you understand their service or their product, the more you can convey that their KPIs have become Kind of your KPIs in a way, um, the more you can they, they see that you understand their users, their end users, right? Not not them as users or as clients, but the users that they have, um, and the, the overall business objectives and, and business strategy that that given company has. The easier it will be for you to then convey your your ideas and and to sell. Whatever you're trying to sell to them,
0: um, do you ever have to like, um, like they have an idea and you know they are, their idea is wrong, but you have to s- gently nudge them towards the correct way of thinking without saying that's a bad idea. Of course, you're building everything course. on the
1: <laughs> Ethereum blockchain, right? I'm going to have to change. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, also, how is it? How is it? Um, where you are now? Like, do you work directly with, with your clients, or do you get like a briefing and then you contact them if you need, or do you have like a sit down? Consultation kind of talk each time you have a new client. Mm-hmm. Um, first to,
2: to, the, to the first question. Yes, there is situations when when you hear that that um, the idea and you immediately think, um, but it's not so tragic. I mean, uh, I think the worst thing you can do is just like be all arrogant and, and roll your eyes and, and 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 just you know pretend that that the client doesn't know what they're talking about they are your clients for a reason and they're coming to you for a reason. So, right? so I think it's important to always keep that in mind, but also um, very, very, very important to, to set your, to, your ground from the very beginning and, and like they have to see you as the expert of that, of that, uh, of whatever topic you're addressing. They're hiring you for a reason and they need to trust you. Um, so that's why I said at the beginning, right? The more understanding you have, understanding you have for of like their entire business, the more they will trust you because then they know that they're in, in, in good hands um, and at the, at the at the company where I work at right now at NY we certainly try to have designers who are um, on the lead of a project to have direct contact with with clients that speeds up everything and it makes sure that information doesn't get lost in translation when when talking to to the rest of the team so um, yeah, you know, PMs will most oftentimes um, where, where, when they need to just reach out to to the whoever designer is on the lead and have them join the the workshops, the calls, the things, etc. So, so yeah, I do have a lot of um, one-on-one coddling time with clients
1: yeah (laughs) yeah that's really interesting though i i wouldn't have um like that kind of whole uh business direction and knowing knowing like a deep knowledge of what the what the client wants or what their business is doing um it kind of makes so much sense when you say it so plainly but i wouldn't have guessed you know that's like a big part of it it's like knowing their business inside and out so you can make design decisions it's really uh really fascinating
2: I mean, it sounds, it sounds really like, whoa, you're not breaking it down to me, right? You're, this is not rocket science, but the amount of times <laughs> that, I have, that I have seen that not happening or, yes. or, or that I have seen a mismatch because that, that bridge is not being crossed, right? Like the designers, in this case, it's us designers uh, or strategists that need to go to the other side of the river and make sure that we collect all the information and then bring it back. It's not on the client to come and, and feed you with all that information. Um, and sometimes you, you will be asking questions to clients that they'll might think, why are you asking me this? This is so basic, but then it's fine it's okay to have clients reassure hypotheses that you had or, or, or preconceptions that they have, that you have of their, of their business rather than just living with those assumptions and starting on a project, living
0: on assumptions. Um, there is a fine line between being um, patronizing or condescending or just explaining something just in case. And m- most of the time you explain something that is very basic, but people didn't already know it. So it's thank, thank God someone had the foresight to, to say something, you know?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm getting more comfortable and more comfortable with just, you know, when you're running a an user interview or you're doing some usability testing or, or facilitating a workshop, with just asking questions that might make me seem dumb. Um, even if I may already like be able to, to anticipate the answer, um, I, I've gotten comfortable with just asking the questions anyways, because they surprisingly end up revealing a lot about uh, the issue that you're trying to tackle.
0: Yes, and it's always good to double check. I met some uh, woman at the weekend who was misusing the word mansplaining, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a, really, oh. that's a very
1: difficult situation to navigate. <laughs> okay. well, Excuse me. Uh, Excuse, Excuse me, I. It was my to
0: Completely misusing the word, and I just.
1: On that uh, topic, though, of asking asking what might be perceived as a stupid question, I remember when I was doing my boot camp, uh, the teacher Yan. He was a um, he was a classic uh, one for that, where someone would ask him like, "I don't know, this code isn't running. I don't know what's wrong with it," and he would be like, "What are you trying to do?" And he's like, and, you know, you say what the question was in the task, whatever. And then he'd point to a bit of the code and just be like, what's that? And you'd just be like, it's a string or it's a word or it's a number. And he's like, no, what is it? Like, it was really basic questions actually make you understand like exactly what you're actually trying to do and like work the logic through. Um, so I definitely, I definitely know the benefit of, of that. It's really, uh, it's very helpful, especially when you're like working through problems in code, if, if you're like asking a colleague or something. Generally, it's better just to ask it in the most basic way. Or when they're exp- when someone's explaining it to you, they so, most of the time they actually kind of solve their own problem as they're explaining it because they're trying to think of it in the most basic terms. So there's definitely a lot of benefits to, to just to you know getting the most straightforward answers, even if you think it's a silly question. There are no stupid questions. That's the that's the rule, isn't it? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean there, there are no
1: stupid questions. That's a good point. But I, I
0: really like what you said, Roy, about sometimes asking a question that. Even if I know it sounds like a stupid question, I'll ask it on purpose just to like a double check that what I th- assumed was correct. And also, like you said, reveals so much more sometimes that you didn't expect. So
2: yeah. it also helps to make sure that we all have a uh, shared understanding, right? That the, the, that assumption that I have is the same one that you then have and the same one that team has right now. So we are a happy family by the end of this whole super important, <laughs> I feel.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, so we're running out of time a little bit, but I thought uh we 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 should maybe uh, end on some um some tips for juniors because I think a lot of things seem to be very very um movable at the moment, you know they've got this whole like spatial design element coming in from Apple and the vision pro um and um you were also saying before we started recording that you think that juniors need to be quite opportunistic to to keep on top of the game so Maybe um, maybe you could kind of help uh, understand that area. Do you think that it's important for, you know, juniors, say, for example, if someone who was applying for a job at NY, um, you saw their portfolio, do you think it's really important for them to be like on the bleeding edge? Like, yeah, I've been working in Figma's new spatial setup and I've, you know, been working on like a Web3 project. Or do you think it's better to have like a solid understanding of the basics and then going from there? What, what advice would you give those juniors?
2: I think uh, I will stick to the to the word that I used before, which is being opportunistic. Um, there's definitely a new a new wave of of technologies popping up right now, you know, AI <coughs> and the whole spatial design, among others, mm-hmm. that are really really um, challenging us as as uh, as an industry. But also at the same time, they are a magnificent. A set of tools that that we can integrate as part of our of our workflows to just make things way more efficient. And when I say that juniors just need to, and, I, and I, this is not only for juniors, right? This applies pretty much to everyone. We just have to be as opportunistic as we can be, and and just try to make sure that we're on top of the on top of the wave. Uh, at the end, this whole you know this this wave that we have right now will eventually calm down. And yes, there will come another one after that and another and that's like the the cycle, that's how it works. But we just have to make sure that after each one of those we're on top of on top of the game and that we can be the ones making the shots, calling the shots and, and, and leading the industry rather than that, rather than um, than just being told what,
1: what, what to do. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Nice. I don't think anyone's I don't I don't think anyone's really had that kind of opportunistic uh, point of view on the podcast before. So that's really good. a really good advice. I think new advice. Uh, uh, tech vultures, vultures. Call them <laughs> tech uh, vultures. Okay. Be yeah, a tech like a, vulture. <laughs> uh, almost,
0: I want to dive. I would. I do. I do want to dive into the you know the emergence of these new AI tools, especially from a UX UX perspective. But I think we're running out of time today, so maybe it's a conversation for next time.
1: But do you use them much, Roy, in like your day- daily work? Are you kind of like, are you actively using ChatGPT or the AI tools?
0: I can
2: tell you from my own um, projects that I've had that ChatGPT has saved me hours and hours and hours of work. And like, especially when, when running um, UX research uh, and preparing, even for, even for conceptualizing new features, if you ask with the right prompts, and um, knowing that there will, there, it will most likely throw you stuff that, that you, you, don't, you don't need and, and you might not find useful, even if it's like one or two pieces of information that, that, that are insightful, that's already worth it. But yes, I yeah. do use them, and they have certainly um, made me
0: a more efficient um, designer, I would say. Nice. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much for your time today, Ryan, sharing your journey with us. Um, is there anything you're working on or anything you want to recommend or any closing comments to any of the newer comers out there about your journey or UX in general? I think I wish someone
2: would have told me this when I was starting. Um, I kind of might have suggested it uh, during, the, during our chat today. Um, there is a lot of information out there, a lot of resources um, a lot of, you know, YouTubers, um, knowing it all, um, a lot of articles, etc. Just, I think at some point you really have to be able to follow your, follow your intuition and stick to a, the plans so set yourself a roadmap and, and plan to be somewhere in six months from now and in a year from now and stick to it with no deviations, um, be constant about it. But don't get, um, don't get frustrated or, or disencouraged by the, by the things that you might read online because um, it just, I, I feel it doesn't bring much, much value at the end of the day to just be pending on, be checking what, what the, what, what's going on other. Just everyone has a different road and just stick to it. And eventually by knocking and knocking and knocking on doors, you'll, you'll get the right opportunity.
1: And there you have it, Roy, the UX UI designer. What do you think? Have you yeah, been it was good. Yeah, I mean, the classic, its a classic iHack podcast episode.
0: Um, how was your journey? How did you get here? But again, yet another cool example of someone who self-taught, a big part of that journey, being self-taught and made crucially making a decision that a podcast and bootcamp was not for him. Because I think yeah. that um, I think that is important that people have a full grasp of what the bootcamp is and who it suits. You know, so I for think sure. that's good. I like that.
1: I think as well the the the, t- the topics we talked about right at the end the business uh, business acumen vo- vocab. I think that's very interesting. Like knowing your knowing your client's business inside and out is like a higher level thing. I think if you're a junior and you're looking for an edge, that could be a good way of like uh, you know leveraging maybe some some. Uh, yeah are useful those techniques.
0: soft skills are crucial in tech people who don't you know who don't who overlook them are up behind it's important to be able to know how to communicate especially in design exactly cool and uh, that's it for this week all right so if you are new to the podcast if you're new then do subscribe check it out um on where all the podcast places are you can find us there and see you next time
1: goodbye